Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wiki Ship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruthann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Ah, I can't. We're rolling. I'm counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Missing Out. I am Tari J. I am Lex Michael. And it's just the two of us this week. Uh, if you haven't been listening in previous weeks, you don't know what that means, but we had guests. And now it's just the two of us alone again. We do. It's been a while since we've done this, right? With the last, what, last two, two, three? How many times? How many? I think two. Last two. Yeah. So it's been what? It's been the better part of a month yeah. uh, since we've gotten to spend any real uh, quality, quality time together this way, one-on-one. I know, yeah. So I'm just going to stare in your eyes real hard. It's going to like, if you're listening, mm. you're going to start to feel really, really uncomfortable around the 40 minute mark and you're not going to know exactly why. And then you're going to remember that we're still locking eyes Yeah. this entire conversation and you, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You can feel you can, it's palpable. Nice and intimate. It's like getting your face slapped with yogurt. It's going to be so hard to look at my notes this way. Yep. Uh, gotta use your gotta use your periphery. Hell yeah. Gotta use your peripheral vision. Ooh. Or you do like the you do like the the Matt Murdock and you run your hand over it like it's braille, but you're actually feeling the the graphite from the pencil in the lines on the paper. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just gotta take a bath in some toxic waste first. You shouldn't... just gotta like splash your eyes with it. Okay. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not be too bath. hard. I don't know what it's what it would have done to Matt Murdock's like feet, you know, but like it just splash your eyes with it and that's all you need. Okay, yeah. I'll do that then. Sounds good. Uh, My but before feet I have do, radar sense. <laughs> um, that's actually a thing in Avatar, uh, the Last Airbender. It's pretty dope. Oh, do you know what? Okay, do you know what's a thing? Since I just said the thing about uh, his feet having radar sense, every, almost every iteration of Daredevil, I actually think, to the credit of the Netflix series, they don't. I don't believe they say this. I could be wrong, but I don't believe so. But in every other iteration of Daredevil, they refer to it as radar sense, and that bugs the shit out of me because that's not how radar works. What his sense is is sonar. It's sounds that ping off of other shit. Right. Like sounds and vibrations that essentially ping off a surface, and that's how he sees. Yeah. That's not radar. I mean, maybe his sounds are turned into rays, and then it becomes a dar. His, his sounds turn into rays, and Dar is the sound that he makes when he's, like, running towards you to kill you. Yeah. He's just like, Dar, 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 Dar. It's <laughs> horrifying. Like, if, can you imagine uh, Daredevil either in the, like, sleeker, pleather, Affleck version or the, like, Charlie Cox biker suit iteration? Uh-huh. Not swinging, not even doing, like, an especially uh, athletic or agile run, lumbering at you like, almost like the Hulk would, maybe. Yeah. Just going, dar, 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 like, in your, in your direction. Yeah. And you don't know what he's going to do. You just see this crazy dude dressed like <laughs> Satan running at you, making that sound. And his, his something about Ray's with his right, vision. I right, forget. of course. Yeah, I'd like to imagine... That in the really intimate scenes with this character, he spends most of them being really mad that they decided to call him Daredevil instead of Daredevil. Right. Like this he, is a brilliant uh, branding opportunity that was missed. Right. He's like, I'm, I'm obviously saying Dar and I'm the devil. Why don't they call me the Daredevil? Instead, they choose to editorialize and make it Daredevil. What fucking idiots they don't even know i can't see they don't they don't know that and the reason all along has been that this was originally something foggy pitched to him since like well that's the noise you make all the time when you're dressed like the devil why don't you go with dar devil and he brushed it off because he actually cannot stand foggy (laughs) 
Uh, he's like, I feel like your name is making fun of the way that I see. <laughs> Offensive. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I feel like I should talk about what we do here. Yeah, that's, um, that's fair, man. That was quite a digression. A little bit. Um, it's all right. We're keeping it. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, what we do here is we talk about different medium, whether it be TV, music, television, artwork, p- spoken word, uh, that we've experienced in our lives, and we share it with each other, and we share it with you, hoping that it widens your view of the world. Um, we are the retrospective that is introspective. Uh, today we're talking about Elliot Smith, his 1997 album, Either Or. This was... Lex Michael's recommendation. More emo white boy music. Ooh, I love it. Um, I actually, I really did enjoy this. Um, okay, so so you are you new to Elliot Smith, basically? Yep. Okay. I, so I've heard the name Elliot Smith. I think a lot of people know of Elliot Smith, whether or not they've really delved into his music. I think he's got this reputation as being a, a manufacturer of, of depressing and or melancholy and or sad music, which is not, strictly speaking, untrue. Okay. I think, uh, but I don't think it's in, it's meant to be depressing pressing as such i think maybe that's a byproduct for some people but i think it is so raw and so real and so painful and so jarringly relatable in ways that maybe you don't you didn't want to think about today like yeah while well, you have to go to work and things right. like that um but but okay like i you're you're relatively new then or new to to his his work so i guess I guess I just want to ask you, like, what you made of this. I want to know what you think of it before I talk too much about what I think of it. So, yeah, I I actually really enjoyed it. I don't say actually as in, like, I didn't expect to, but just because I like to use that as a filler. Um, but I really liked it. It reminded me, I spent a lot of the time um, thinking, like, it, it uh, reminded me of other music I've heard. Um, which I imagine was influenced by uh, Elliot Smith, specifically, like, I'm sure that, like, Heat Miser stuff as well. So here's a funny rabbit hole I went down. Okay, go. I spent, like, when I, my, so I, the way I listened to this album was I, I just listened to it. I didn't take any notes from start to end. And then I essentially started diving into the lyrics. Um, so then my second time, I was going song by song, lyric by lyric. Um, and so like my first time listening to it, I, my first thought was this really reminds me of some of the slower Jimmy Eat World. Um, Interesting. And then I, I got to, I want to say it was uh, either Pictures of Me or Rose Parade or Punch and Judy, uh, where one of their songs really made me think of a line from a Jimmy World song, which was um, uh, half, what was it? Oh, uh, Half Right, which is a cover of a Heat Miser song. Um, And I, but also it reminded me of another song where they specifically go, it's like that Heat Miser song. Um, And so then I started diving down that rabbit hole and that like, you, you start to realize that Jimmy World, who is also, I guess, would be described as emotional, vulnerable white boy music, um, is heavily influenced by Heat Miser and Elliot Smith. Heat Miser, by the way, being the band that Elliot Smith formed before his solo career really took off. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a weird, like, roundabout, like, rabbit hole I went down realizing how much my listening was influenced by people who listened to Elliot Smith. Yes. Um, but all that to say that Jimmy Eat World is a, is a band that I super love. Um, and ha- this album and Elliot Smith in general reminding me of them also means that like I was able to kind of instantly connect with this album. And it really made me feel like it's something that I would listen to while I was 
like on a train or on a bus or like walking down a city street, just kind of looking inside of myself, connecting with the lyrics. And so that's and what thinking, it makes thinking me feel. about thinking about your life and times past and experiences. Yeah. Almost like introspective retrospection. Hell yeah. Mm, Hell yeah. Some, some branding, <laughs> some sweet, tasty branding for you. You want a little branding in your eggnog? <laughs> You no. <laughs> what? No, don't burn the nog. No, but that's Psst, don't right. burn the nog. Okay. Don't burn the that's gonna be like on a missing out t shirt. <laughs> don't burn the nog. And no one's gonna know what it means. And that somebody will come up to him and be like, "Hey, what's that mean?" And be like, "Oh, do you do you know of the show Missing Out?" And be like, "Oh yeah, sort of." So, so like, what's that mean in context? I don't know. Yep. It it means things. Yeah. Yep. I don't even remember what it was now. Uh, don't something about <laughs> egg branding. Yeah, branding I already the eggnog because you you want brand sounds like brandy, right? No, right. No, I and, I got it. And eggnog <laughs> is often. <laughs> oh jeez. Um. So yeah. Uh, so that was my experience. I, so this album having come out in '97, I am to assume that you are probably about eight, eight or nine. Yo, you ain't gotta, you ain't gotta out me as young, dog. Hey, yo, I only know because of how old I was, which was I had to be ten, which I think that you are two years younger than me. I, if it was '97, I was probably seven. Okay, I was probably, um, I was probably. Uh, uh, siete años. Ooh, se habla. There we go. That's your little splash okay. of culture for today. <laughs> um, so I imagine that you weren't uh, a seven-year-old, just kind of like taking in some sad, listening sad to between tunes. the bars and going, "It's me." Yeah. Um, no. So how did you get into this? I, I like, I think a lot of people who are approximately my age uh, did. I discovered Elliot Smith in high school, I believe, and I'm, I'm was thinking about it on the way over here. I cannot remember if uh, Xander Robin, who's a friend of mine who's been on our show, uh, if he got me into Elliot Smith, or if we happened to get into Elliot Smith separately at the same time. Okay. And I want to say it's possible. It is possible that my way in was, uh, there's a song of his called Needle in the Hay off of his self-titled album that's in the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, and I'm wondering if I heard that song in that movie and followed that thread that way. But I don't, I don't remember. I just remember high school. Yeah. And so much of the subject matter, it, it's funny because it is so raw and real. And a lot of it is profound, but you don't have to engage with it necessarily that way or I'll, I'll put it this way it's gonna mean it's all gonna mean something very very different to a 25 year old a 35 year old than it's going to to a 15 year old right but when you are 15 you are experiencing most of us are experiencing these intense feelings of alienation of, of uh, lack of uh, strong sense of identity of purpose a lot of us lack driver direction a lot of us feel isolated not able to communicate etc 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 and all of a sudden, artists like Elliot Smith, their material becomes so directly relatable on that level. It sounds like he's speaking to your teen angsty experience. And then you get a little bit older and you realize, oh, I mean, sort of, but like, but like, there's a lot, there's a lot more going on. And that's why I think a lot of people fall away from Elliot Smith after high school, or a lot of people that I know fell away from him after high school. I think maybe because they left it behind with those experiences, with that right. version of themselves. And I haven't listened to this album back to front in a very long time, but there are a few songs on it that I keep going back to and I keep going back to and I keep going back to because the older I get, the deeper the meaning of the same lyrics becomes to me and the more, you know, in a way, the more painful they become because they... This, okay, I go, like we'll we'll get into this this yeah. much deeper conversation essentially about like this. Uh, I like where do I even start? So, so much of this makes sense to me. Like I like I like I talked about when we talked about the uh, Neutral Milk Hotel album in the airplane over the sea, however many weeks ago it was. 
a big part of my relationship with this album is predicated on my individual and particular combination of uh, mental, emotional issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the post-traumatic stress, the hypertension, the uh, hypervigilance, the depression, all of it. Um, and it, it, it so speaks to those feelings without necessarily always being about those things things so like okay one song that i keep coming back to and a song that like the the older i get the more it it hits me right in the gut is between the bars which is uh i believe it's actually a song about his struggles with alcoholism Mm -hmm. and it's about it's almost like a song that alcohol is singing to him right um but for it's so it is so much it's like a conversation that my brain has with itself often at when I'm when I'm at some of my lowest points of my lowest and most frantic um, and also if you're prone to depression I feel like one thing that may start to happen as you get older and you know some of the stars start to clear out of your eyes whether you have depression or not I think if you're being hyper aware you follow certain paths and you make certain choices in life and the older you get it's, it's not like you were when you were a little kid and everything is uh, limitless in front of you. The possibilities are, are end- or at least everyone tells you the possibilities are endless. Right. The, the American myth is that the possibilities are endless. Um, but the older you get, the more you realize, I'm going to bum everybody out, the more you realize there are fewer and fewer paths available to you. Yeah. And that's not always a bad thing, by the way. Like, I don't I don't mean to say that as like the most crushingly depressing sentiment imaginable because that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes what that means is you followed the path you wanted to and now you have fewer options than you did, but they're the options that you wanted to have. Right. So that that exists as well. This is not me saying like it's, abs- it's terribly bleak for everybody. But no, can I also can I take a second yes, to expand yeah. on that yeah, yeah. in that like, well, part of that is. And you talk about the myth of uh, the American myth that all avenues are open is that like that's a piece of why so many people are are kind of like looking for themselves is that it's this idea of uh, choice paralysis, I think is the official name for it, where you believe that every avenue is available so you don't know which door to walk through. Whereas like if you start to come to terms with the fact that like based on one, what you're good at, what you're passionate about, what you have the ability to excel in like there are only like a certain number of doors and you have to pick which one and then essentially just pick the next ones as they come along um so like i don't find that to be a bummer i just i think that like it's a reality it is a reality i think the way i was phrasing it maybe it could have been interpreted as a huge bummer and that's not necessarily what i mean in total though having said that yes sometimes it's a massive bummer if you are prone to depression if you do not always have the most charitably friendly relationship with yourself and you are inclined to hold yourself unduly responsible for things that maybe aren't your fault or aren't that bad etc 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 the idea of paths closing off to you may feel i won't speak to anybody else's experience but may feel like it's your fault. These paths are closing off to you because you you blew it or you were never suited for it to begin with or, or whatever, whatever, whatever. Whether or not that's objectively true, if your brain is wired a certain way, if you've got, you know, uh, uh, different types of imbalances or some faulty conditioning or you're trying to cope with trauma, your brain might be telling you that, yes, it's your fault. Right whether or not that's objectively true. So lyrics in uh, Between the Bars, like, um, oh my God, when he says, uh, the potential you'll be that you'll never see, the promises you'll only make. Like that hits like a sledgehammer. Mm -hmm. All of these things that you said you were going to do, all of the, especially, right? Like I I have friends and, and we talk sometimes about feeling like when we were younger, we'd get a lot of credit for, being smart, be you know, quote unquote, like gifted children, blah blah blah. It's all bullshit. But like, we got a lot of credit for being being a little bit further along in certain respects than certain other kids our age, at least in other people's estimation. Again, right. the older you get, the more you realize it's all nonsense. But <laughs> I had a conversation a while ago, actually, with uh, with my friend um, 
Ruthann Gallagher, who does the Wiki Ship Down podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, this was years and years and years ago, but she said something. She maybe even tweeted it or something, and it's stuck in my head. And she said, she commented on the difficulty of the transition from, uh, uh, what was it, like, gifted child to, like, unspectacular adult. Mm-hmm. And that really stuck in my head. And, and yeah, especially, this is another, this is totally, this is a digression, but man, like, I'm not one of these people that that thinks we shouldn't validate kids. It really sounds like there are plenty of people who think we should never validate kids for anything. Yeah. What we definitely shouldn't be doing is convincing everybody from a very young age that they're the specialist person on the planet. I don't think that breeds a healthy perspective either. Right. Balance, balance, folks. Well, I think that the key, uh, which I think I was listening to a TED Talk about this, um, but I can't cite anything about it so i may be making it up um but the the key is not to like say you are great in general it's to say you are great at this specific at these specific things and then have them and all but also telling them like what they need to work there's on. room for improvement here right yes um so it's never that like you're the you're the best kid right it's that like you're really great at this and you could uh why don't you try doing this um, You're missing out on proper parenting. <laughs> I mean, it's true, though. I mean, a lot of us were missing out on proper parenting. Oh, Ooh. boy, howdy. Uh-huh. We could do a whole podcast uh-huh. about it. Uh-huh. Is that this one? No. 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 <laughs> uh-uh. No, sir. Um, but but so th- so things like that. And actually, yeah, that, that song is one that, that honestly, like, even last night when I, um, I threw the record on. Another sidebar. I got a, we finally got a record player. Uh, yeah. It's like our big Christmas present for this year. And one of the albums that I got was either or on vinyl. And I, I'd been holding it because I wanted to listen to it with, uh, with my girlfriend who'd never heard it. And I figured, okay, I'll wait to throw it on until we can listen to it together. And then I, we needed something for this week. And I was like, this, perfect. Um, we listened to it last night. And even last night, I, I, and having heard this song more times recently more recently than any other song on the album save like you know one or two uh i found myself because i kept walking around the room mm-hmm. like i had a drink in my hand and i was just kind of like slowly sipping my drink and I, I was like walking around the room the entire like 40 some odd 40 minutes like 30 I actually think the album's like a 38 39 minute album yeah so i'm walking around the room the entire time and i happened to notice midway through between the bars Instead of making my full circle of the entire room, I had started going back and forth in a straight line in front of the record player. Okay. Like, I just felt, like, drawn back to it, and I suddenly felt so, almost like, you, you know in the Matrix where they stick the little, like, the spiky thing in the back of their heads to jack them in? Yeah. I almost felt like, not like I got jacked into the Matrix, but, like, the song did that to the back of my head, and suddenly I was... I was like in it and I was feeling it and I, it like, it was really getting to me because I know obviously the song is, is, uh, you know, on the surface about, about Elliot Smith's relationship with alcohol. It's, 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 it's mental illness and trauma brain song. And of course there's a hell of a lot of overlap in that Venn diagram with addiction brain as well. And Mm -hmm. Elliot Smith uh, struggled uh, immensely with, both with depression and addiction for a large amount of his life. So it becomes, if, if you do struggle with some of that, uh, it's, uh, it's profoundly uncomfortable how relatable that song becomes, whether or not you are actually struggling with a substance issue. You're right. The issue you may be struggling with might be your own, your own mind. And it's, it's, it's insidious and it's scary and, and depression and trauma, like your, your brain will lie to you the same way that if you're an addict, uh, alcohol in a sense will lie to you. Yeah. Um, and so this song, right, which is, which is ostensibly from alcohol's point of view, talking to Elliot Smith, that, that really could be, I got to stop using like, uh, what is it? Second person, uh, uh, pronouns and just, I'm, I'm talking about myself, obviously, so why don't I use first-person <laughs> pronouns? Um, it feels like the way my brain lies to itself. Yeah. It feels like the type of shit that my brain tells me. Yeah. And it's a, I don't say this to be like, 
you you know uh none of this is about like ah, it's so hard for me and wah. it's just like it's it's fascinating to me to find a piece of of art that's so so perfectly gives voice to some of these feelings mm-hmm. and you know like uh uh, uh th- there's so much context that would be required for some of this and it's like right. all right how how into the personal weeds do i want to get but even like listening actually it's perfect because uh so the alcohol right in the song essentially tells him like if you if you come to me if you fall into my embrace right the the line is um uh it's like do uh do what i say and i'll make you okay drive them away the images stuck in your head obviously that very literally is about drinking to forget right um but you could sub in any type of reckless self-harming behavior that your brain says oh this would be go do it do it. You're fine. Yeah. It's okay. Do it and you'll feel better. You'll feel for a minute, just for a minute, you'll feel better. Mm-hmm. And you want to be like, stop, stop it. Go, stop. Leave me, leave me alone, bro. And it won't. And well, it really, because like, it's so bonkers how your brain can lie to you and how your brain can lie to you convincingly and sometimes uh, seductively. Yeah. That, and that's what that song is. It's like, oh, right. This is the shit that my brain says this is the shit that my brain says to itself and has been saying to itself for for decades now Mm -hmm. it's tough for me to talk about this stuff because i i just not because i'm ashamed of it or i'm embarrassed or i think it's it's anything that i should have to hide but it it makes other people a little bit uncomfortable and or in my experience it makes other people a little bit uncomfortable because in fairness what most people don't know what to say when you when you throw stuff like this at them that's totally fair if you don't if you haven't experienced it yourself you really are not no matter how smart you are you can't fully understand it you can only understand it like conceptually or or theoretically well but even if even if you talking about it makes them uncomfortable like it is it's you're talking about the way that it makes you feel i don't think that you can necessarily not talk about something because it might make someone uncomfortable no right and i and i agree with you but then uh an unfortunate byproduct of that from time to time and i'm sure this is not this cannot possibly be true of only me i'm sure that this is something that people struggling with uh, any form of mental illness will bump into uh probably not infrequently uh you present it to somebody and if you didn't contextualize every bit of it perfectly and display exactly the right amount of self-awareness, they're going to, if they don't say it to you, there's a good chance that they're still thinking, oh, they're just, maybe they do have something up, but like, they're just feeling sorry for themselves and whatever. And it's like, man, (sighs) but like, (sighs) if, if, if whomever is listening to this feels that way, this isn't for them. I mean, sure. I mean, sure. No, no, no. Go have the, they can go listen to one of our other episodes, but like, and I'm going to, I'm going to reel this into myself, okay. but like at my, at my like worst, it, whenever I am in the deep and darks of, of, of depression, like, yes, my brain is like, Hey, no one will ever understand. Just keep it to yourself. Never really like, and, and also in the way that the song that like push them away, come embrace me. Um, and this is another, I think this is another American myth, especially where males are concerned is that silence is strength. Right. And occasionally I'm not saying that's never, ever, ever true, but that's not, that's not a blanket truth. Yeah. And, and that's why we listen to songs like this. And, and, and this is why we have discussions like this with each other. Is that like in, at the, at the root of it and at the, at the heart I think that like, at least for me, I'm always looking for someone who's, who, someone to just say, I feel that way too. Yep. I, I know what it's like. And the fact that even just that idea means that like, I'm knowing that other people feel this way means that like, I can acknowledge that my brain is lying to me mm-hmm. and that like. I am, but also that I'm not alone in this and that feeling of knowing you're not alone. Like if someone who's listening to this is like, yes, they are describing exactly how I feel. It it allows you to kind of, it gives you a little bit more strength over this, this like seductive brain character that we've painted throughout the beginning of this episode. Right. Well, it's like, you know, at that point there's more going on than just I'm crazy. Right. You know that, okay, it's, this is something that's, 
that's real. And like, exactly. It's like, it's like a, a feeling of not, not necessarily that you have an answer or a solution in that moment, but yeah, that you're not alone in it. Right. Um, and so like, especially, so you talking about between the bars, there's this idea of just, by the way, sorry to cut you off that what right up top of this, uh, conversation when I talked about like a lot of people only associate Elliot Smith with this idea that his music is depressing and stuff between when they made that exact joke on Rick and Morty, uh, I believe between the bars is the song that starts playing. Oh really? Yes. Ah, that's dope. Um, the, (laughs) but for, uh, between the bars, like, the there's the line where it's talking about like looking at the people you've been before yeah um and like the, and this is all right so if you haven't heard the song like hear the song but the the full line uh is was uh people that you've been before that you don't want around anymore uh who will push and shove and won't bend to your will i'll keep them still yeah and i feel like especially as someone who has in the midst like Throughout my life, there was this idea that I felt like I had to be the best version of what people wanted me to be in order to just, like, exist. Right. And so, like, when I'm in these really reflective moments, well, yeah. That feeling sucks. It does. And, Uh. like, so just sitting in that and being, like, like, looking back at all the people I've tried to be in order to not be myself and show who I am, just so people feel comfortable. Um, it's, It's this... It's this thing, and you're, and I, I get that feeling of wanting something to just, like, make them go away. Like, I don't have to remember that time that I was bending over backwards to try to make someone feel okay. I don't want to remember that time that I uh, went insanely out of my way and only ended up getting hurt just because I refused to fight for myself. You know, I don't want to remember those things. I just want to live in this one moment. Yeah. And so like that song also really resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. Like it'll get me, it'll, it'll get me a little bit like not if I put it on in the car, maybe not. But if I actually sit and listen, like if I make listening to that song, the activity for the couple of minutes, yeah, yeah, it will, it will choke me up a little bit Mm -hmm. because yeah, like I don't, I, it's like, yeah, this sounds so melodramatic, but it's like, no, it's like alcohol is not my demon. My brain is my demon. Right. But it's the same. You can sub in almost any, anything, anything that, that puts a dark hand on your shoulder and lies to you. Mm-hmm. You can basically sub in for, for what for Elliot Smith in this case was alcohol. Right. Mm. Long pause. <laughs> was there, uh, so you said there are m- multiple songs. Like what other songs from... Uh, I guess your teenage years to now kind of have changed over time. Cause like some of these, I feel like at first listen, you're like, ah, dude, that's a breakup song. But then as you like dig into the guts, you're like, no, like that's a, that's a deep residing fear song or something like that. Like there's a lot of this, uh, there's a lot of this album that really, I think since I'm listening as an adult going through transitional years in my like, 20s to 30s, early 30s time. Um, there's a lot of songs where it's like, hey, bro, I mean, maybe you failed. Maybe maybe you're the worst version of yourself, um, which I think that if I heard as a, as a teenager... It wouldn't mean that much. Right. You'd be like, why is this guy so sad? <laughs> and maybe this is why like adults don't gravitate towards Elliot Smith is because you get to a certain age and you know exactly why this dude is so sad. Right. And it's too real to deal with at your day job, for example. Right. Um, but yeah, so like, I want to know if you if you remember any specific examples of what you're talking about. Because I'm like trying to go, I'm like going down the track list in my head. And there's a line in, I think, isn't a, I think Alameda's track two? Yes. Um, there's a line that recurs in Alameda, which didn't mean that much. To, it just sounded like a cool line when I was in high school. But the older I get, the more the line, uh, nobody broke your heart. You yes. broke your own because you can't finish what you start. I wrote that. The yeah. older I get, the more I'm like, oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, that one specifically, like, I think the first time around, like, I I wasn't taking any, like, real notes. I, but, like, I did. Wrote, I was like, sounds like a breakup song. Um, and then like, I scratched it out the moment I started like listening to the lyrics and really getting into like what it's about. Cause there's this, uh, 
I guess in in one of the the like song notes that you get on like Genius, it was talking about this idea of truth is subject truth is subjectivity, which is a Kierkegaard uh, concept. Yes. Um, and so, like, I I know based on my research that uh, this album is based on a Kierkegaard uh, concept or one of his books it's, of the uh, same name. This was a no- Yeah, this was a note that I. I took um, yeah. So, that, so either or, right? It's a Kierkegaard book, and either or refers to the contrast between aesthetic and subjective experience and ethical and objective being. And apparently, like Elliot Smith was very interested in philosophy, which he studied in college. Yeah. Um. So I mean, and and that whole thing is like what? It, like I think at the point that you're thinking like, well, truth is subjective. In that, like, what is your truth? And mm-hmm. like, are are you like, did, is it true that your experiences trying to do this thing are what hurt you? Or is it true that your inability to, like, follow through is what ultimately led to your your own heartbreak? And it's like, those two things could be true, or one of them could be true. But, like, it's easier to take the former, which is that th- things outside of your own control are to blame which means that you don't have to do the introspection well not for nothing look sometimes external factors are to blame no they never are but the thing is right like in this there are a couple of points that that i think bring us back to conversations about depression right like um okay so you for example if you were the victim of trauma yeah something terrible happened to you right you're not at fault for that you didn't do that to yourself. Yeah. Somebody else, something else is responsible in a lot of these cases. Not Maybe not every single one. Sometimes an accident is an accident. But sometimes an external party, external forces are responsible and you aren't. Unfortunately, you then become responsible for trying to manage it, deal with it. If, if not, hopefully find a solution. But it's yes, sometimes it's important to note that no, it's not always the fault of the person struggling with this. A, B, talking about uh, uh, objective versus subjective perceptions of reality, I feel like you can't really have a conversation about depression without on some level addressing that exact question. Mm-hmm. Because if, you, if, if somebody you know is suffering from depression and they are trying to talk to you about what their experience is like and why they feel unhappy and and all you can give them back is like, but you're doing fine. You're doing so. Do better. Like, sir, please do better. Like, not not for me. Like, do. I'm not even talking about me now. Like, for somebody else, man. Like, do do better than that because you have to start by understanding that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of us who deal with this stuff, we know that on paper everything looks fine. Right. We know that we're not ungrateful for how. Uh, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but I know a lot of us, there's got to be some overlap, right? If I think about it this way, there's got to be like at least probably across the country, 30 other people that think the exact same way about it. And if there's 30, there's probably 300 and so on and so on. Right. Um, but uh, you have to start from a place of understanding that we don't, we're not experiencing the world the same way. Mm-hmm. We are we are fundamentally having a different experience. We can be we can be doing the exact same activity. We could be having the exact same conversation. We whatever, but we are experiencing it differently. By by necessity, by unfortunate necessity, but by necessity. And I feel like yeah, like that. That is part of the the root of the disconnect. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, I I do think now. Of course, this. Now we live in a weird time where like the fabric of reality itself seems to be in question, but, <laughs> but, and like truth means very little at this particular moment in time. Hopefully we figure our shit out. I'm not going to hold my breath that long, but, uh, I do believe there is such a thing as objective reality as objective truth. Right. I think there are people. And again, if you haven't experienced depression, if you've never been the victim of trauma, if blah, 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 whatever you can, you can't to in your defense, you cannot fully understand it. You can't. I don't care if you got your degree in exactly that subject matter. You still cannot fully understand what it is like unless you live it. Right. Um, I think there are plenty of people who, even given that, yes, it is not entirely their fault that they don't get it. 
There are a lot of people who don't appreciate how fortunate they are that they get to live in a version of reality that's closer to the quote-unquote objective reality, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Because people suffering from depression, people with uh, post-traumatic stress, people almost any form of mental illness you can think of, their reality is is so is much more narrowly subjective than than yours would be, you know? So it's like you have to start from that place of understanding. So I actually I'm I'm glad that you reminded me to bring up the the Kierkegaard thing and like the that that specific philosophical question. Because yeah, I feel like that is the crux of the disconnect. Yeah. Between between two parties when one is suffering from depression, the other isn't. And and the latter cannot understand the former's point of view. Yeah. So yeah, um but I wanted to talk a little bit about Angelus. Yes. Um, because I know that uh, based on research, um, this album was the, the, the last basically indie album that Elliot Smith did before he moved into DreamWorks. And I know that this in the same year, he also did the songs for uh, Goodwill Hunting. So what happened is right. Gus Van Sant, heard, I believe, heard either or and was like, oh, yes, this. And he used, I want to say, three three songs from either or, and then Elliot Smith did Miss Misery, which got nominated for an Oscar, so he played that at the Academy Awards that year. Yeah. But that was like, then suddenly, of course, everybody was like, oh, who is this gentleman? And like, it's important to note, too, the album, his self-titled album, which he he released before either or, like, barely, when it first came out, like, barely anybody heard it like it was barely reviewed it was only later that people came back to it and went oh this is excellent but yeah. he was not he was known he'd been working but he wasn't you know Elliot Smith until about that point yeah and so like you have to imagine that uh I feel like especially like this one and uh possibly like Alameda um and there was another one which all kind of have this feeling of someone uh, who is like trying to figure out or trying to deal with fame or like the idea of becoming something bigger than they are. What I find interesting too, I was thinking about it listening to pictures of me because yes. all of these songs, all of these songs would have to have been written. Here's how recording works, kids. First, you have to write the songs. Then you can record them. Yeah. So theoretically, all of these songs were written before he recorded the album, which means unless he does like maybe he does time magic. I don't know. But if he records music the way other people do, they had to write the songs at a certain at a certain point prior to that. And then the album had to come out. Then Gus Van Sant has to find it. Then he puts the music in Goodwill Hunting. Then it gets nominated for an Academy Award. Then Elliot Smith moves into DreamWorks. Then he's more famous. Right. So it Pictures of me feels like now. Granted, clearly I know a bit more about his career post either or than pre either or. So maybe he was already a bit of a known quantity. I'm extrapolating based on how how little uh, notice his second album got, which was the album before either or. Right. I didn't think he was that big. And pictures of me is like the content of the song feels like okay, I'm famous now, and I'm dealing with being famous. Yeah. And it's it's. I mean, the, the, it's literally the line in the song is, I'm so sick and tired of all these pictures of me. Yeah. But I also really like, because, right, coupled, because coupled with, I hit the microphone, kids, uh, <laughs> because uh, coupled with, like, you know, you say, like, uh, like Alameda is a good example, and Angelus, um, it all feels like a transition from where he was into this new kind of lifestyle, even though... Maybe like describing the full transition predates the full transition into yeah. that lifestyle. Um, but yeah. I love. Okay, so having lived in, uh, having lived in LA for the better part of five years now, he's uh, he's he said at the end of um, pictures of me, like maybe the the most true truism that can be said about life in Los Angeles, which is everybody's dying just to get the disease. Mm. The disease. I believe being yes, fame, seeing your face everywhere, seeing your face looking back at you. And like, he's got the awareness to go, oh, this is toxic bullshit. Right. Yikes. But everybody wants this. This is the disease and everybody will step on each other's necks for this particular affliction. Yeah. And you could imagine like, even if this predates the like big boom, like he was still, I think that 
Heatmiser was still making a, a pretty good traction. And like even just Ooh, like he was that, definitely more famous than I am. Right. But like even no one's more famous than you are, Lex Michael. Um, but even if it wasn't that he was moving to LA, I think that like, especially with the way that he writes and internalizes, uh, or I guess in reverse order, he internalizes and then writes, like it could have just been like a trip to LA where he's just seeing right. all of this stuff. Um, and like, I think that especially since he's from just like Portland, which is, uh, compared to LA, like a small town, um, the idea that like you're starting your recording career in a small town, you imagine that you're inevitably going to end up in LA or New York. So I imagine that for him, it's this idea that like he's imagining what it would be like if this ever became bigger. And so like he's on his second album and he's like, if this takes off, like what is life? Am I, if I were to move to LA, like, how would I feel? And this song or these assortment of songs are that. Right. And then in uh, uh, it's that, that line in uh, Angelus where it's like, uh, given, given what you just said to piggyback, like to tack onto the end of it, that line in Angelus where he says, uh, picking up the ticket shows there's money to be made. Go on and lose the gamble. That's the history of the trade. Ooh. Um, I do. I really like <laughs> That's that. That's a very good reaction. Because it's true. <laughs> like I do. Re- I really like the comparison of like people moving to LA to like pursue their dreams and it being the equivalent to like gambling. You go, it's like you're going to Vegas or you're buying a lottery ticket um, because that is, if, if we're diving down in the, the dirty reality of, of things, Let's do like, it. Uh, the, the chances of you becoming like quote unquote, like famous like you can be a working actor or actress or writer or producer or things like yeah, that oh, but, but like there are, there is no one way and there are plenty of what now it's insanely hard and if you're going to move to los angeles yes it's the most competitive place in the world and there is no clear way into any of these jobs but right. if you are if you persevere if you get to know certain people yes you can you can it may not happen quickly it may take years but you can find a job in the business right but but the the chances of becoming like a a famous like the next Tom Cruise or the career Denzel that Washington everybody or, moves out here wanting right um, are I, I I don't I don't want to say astronomical but they are the equivalent of buying a lottery ticket because there are if you if you take the top grossing actors and actresses or writers or directors um, that is probably a good like three percent of the people that have managed to bubble up of the millions and millions of people who live in LA I would go a step further and I would say it's tantamount to winning the lottery 17 times over right because no matter how good you are no matter how hard you work if you are not also one in a 200 million lucky won't matter Right. You may doesn't mean you won't work. You may still work, but and hey, if you work that hard and you're that you that dedicated, yes, you will you will probably work. You're not gonna be you're not gonna be you know. To, although you, you use Tom Cruise as an example, we're not really making Tom Cruises anymore. Like move, the movie star model is pretty much on its way out. Right. But still, to be somebody somebody with a certain level of renown, to somebody who's gonna get. You know, like not not that everybody wants to be in a superhero movie, but an actor that like every time it's like we're casting a new part in this. Ooh, what wouldn't it be amazing if this person was in this movie? Right. These the biggest like a list whatever's that it doesn't it doesn't happen. You, right. Do you, if you take a step back, you'll realize there's only about twenty of them alive at any given point. Right. Uh, if that many. And even then, like once you quote unquote make it. The the chal- the next challenge is maintaining relevancy. That's that's part of what I mean about winning the lottery seventeen times. Right. Because getting there is is probably about ten. Yeah. And then staying there, you have to keep winning the lottery until you get to a point, and this does happen for some people, you get to a point where you you have enough clout that you control your career and you don't really have to play the lotto anymore. Right. Nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety fucking nine out of whatever the next number up i don't really know what i just said point is basically nobody gets that far (laughs) um true 
And that doesn't mean to, that doesn't mean don't try. That no, doesn't no, mean yes. it's all bleak. That's that's not what I mean to say. I just mean you know like. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that we're being necessarily bleak. I think that like the but the main thing that like that causes people to break their own hearts. Um. To reference Elliot Smith, is that people come in with unrealistic expectations and uh, not necessarily have having done the amount of research or like knowing exactly what their, where their expectations should lie. Like, uh, I think that that's the main thing. I think that the, the big piece is being open to, uh, as many opportunities as you can, just because the thing, what you accomplish isn't exactly what you set out to accomplish. Doesn't mean that you failed. I think it means that you are now able to pave your own path. Um, wherever and and but you have to be open to wherever that path will lead, and then be discerning about whether the path that you're going down is the path that you want to be taking. And if if it's not, being open and willing enough to pivot and try to find a new direction. Yeah. Um, those are that I think is the the big piece of life in LA. That's what I've found to be my truth. Yes. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. My heart does break a bit for people who come out here and don't necessarily have a strong support system in place. Some people who themselves like, like Elliot Smith and like, yes, like myself suffer from a certain combination of mental illnesses that uh, even if they don't completely debilitate them, necessitate that they lose sight of that reality so if for example this is you and i don't even just mean la i mean i mean anywhere if you're if you're in a place like and you need you need to communicate i mean shit at at me man like i will i i don't have answers for myself so i can't promise answers for you (laughs) but i can promise you know like i i i enjoy being able to connect with people about this as well it's it's very it is it's helpful it doesn't it doesn't fix it but it but it helps and and again I don't mean my heart breaks for me. I'm doing all right. Like, I feel like I've, I've got a handle on all of it and I've got a, you know, I've got a, a support system in place and I, I have, you know, I have work and I have, you know, but I also realize I'm very lucky in that regard and not everybody is that fortunate. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. If, if that's you just, I don't know, man. It's so, cause I know how difficult it is. It's, it's very easy for me to say, try to let yourself off the hook and try to talk to somebody, but that's what everybody says to everybody. Right. So if that's you, man, like seriously, like if you don't know who to talk to, like I'm, I'm not even joking at like at me. Yeah. Like seriously, like we can, I, I, I can't promise you answers, but like I'm, I'm down to listen. I'm down to talk and I'm down to tell you. Yeah. you're you're not alone in this like we we're here we're here we we do what we can and sometimes all we can do is kind of put put each other's hands on each other's shoulders you know but but you know honestly sometimes that's enough for for a day it's not it's not maybe the solution to that problem over the course of a lifetime but it's it can help for a day and i wonder man like i don't know then i but then i start thinking about about elliot smith and about how like uh according to people around him he he had a version of that and he was starting to build fame and people loved him and, and it, that still wasn't enough to like save him from himself ultimately. Right. Like, you know, do you, you read a little bit of like biographical stuff, like six years after this album came out, he was dead and the official story. And there is just enough doubt, I guess, to this day that, that the possibility does exist that maybe foul play was involved. Yeah. But the official stories is suicide, but suicide by stabbing himself twice in the chest. Mm-hmm. That takes commitment, man. Oh, yeah. Like that, so that, that too is like, I'm like, wow, like, how did you... That, that, the, my first thought would be like, stab twice in the chest. I'd be like, well, somebody must have done that to him. Right. But, and I, w- I wasn't there. I have no clue. There was a, there was a note, apparently, so, so it, it tracks enough. But like... If you're in that much pain, I do look, I get from experience being in such a frantic state that you feel like you need to destroy your physical vessel. I don't want to get this. I don't want to get too into the weeds about on mic. This is maybe, maybe one day I'll talk about this stuff, but uh, I'm fine, by the way. Right now I'm fine. Like I'm good. Um, But I understand this very well. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I understand, I understand getting, getting into such a state that you feel almost like you have to rip your skin off your body just so you can get out of it. Yeah. It's, but I got, I got here, I got here like almost undercutting my other point being like, you know, not necessarily in that. I think that that only furthers it and that you understand how that feels. And like, so if, if you are inviting people to at you, which, um, I think is a great thing because one, if someone's listening to this and, and they don't feel like they have that support system and someone says like, yo, reach out to me, then like when, when, and if they decide to do that, they know that someone will be there to listen. Even, even if they're not again, offering like solutions, I think that just being able to express how you're feeling is enough sometimes. Oh, and I just realized I like I I feel old a lot of the time. I don't really have a good handle on like the lingo for all of this. Uh, but I DM me is probably better because if you at me, it's public, right? And right. maybe you don't want to be airing your stuff out publicly, which I totally get. So DM me. Yeah. Um. I mean, also, if you if you are worried about character accounts, we have a, a Gmail account. So if you wanted to reach out that way, you could do that as well, which is missing out podcast at gmail dot com. And obviously. Um, you don't have to. But no, you don't have to at all. <laughs> we're not going to show up at your house and berate you if you don't. But know, know that you can. Right. Um, and like we're... If somebody listens to the wrong episode of this show after this episode, they'd be like, why would I... These guys are dumb. Why would I want to talk to them <laughs> about anything? We we have our moments. Right. I think. Um, yeah, I think we are... Uh, smart guys wrapped in dumb jokes. That's our and, next T-shirt. And bacon. Ooh, and you don't even ground know to a bacon. fine paste and put in a balloon. Ooh, and thrown around at parties. Yum. Um, really, uh, really quick then before we are completely done talking about the album. Um, the last track on the album, "Say Yes," which is one of the songs that I think a lot of people, a lot of people know, even if you don't really know Elliot Smith's work. Yeah, I. Love, 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 love this song. I don't know if it did a whole lot specifically for you, but I really like that it, listening to it this time again, I was thinking about how it sounds at first like a fairly standard breakup song. Yeah. And by the end of the song, it feels to me like a song about about the dude figure essentially figuring out how to love. Hmm. Yes. So like... These, this one, because uh, uh, you're talking about Say Yes, right? Yes. Um, so 2.45 a.m. and Say Yes feel like partner songs. Yes, they do. Um, in that, like, 2.45, it feels like, th- there's some songs I wrote that, like, they feel super personal for uh, Elliot Smith. Um, one being, like, Cupid's Trick. Um, and I think name number five, no, uh, no name number five. Yes. Um, which feel like they encompass this feeling where, uh, especially since a lot of the album is about like alienating yourself. And at a certain point, I think that this character in this story manages to do so. Um, and so there's this moment, especially in two forty five AM where you get this feeling that it's this person laying in bed after like a one night stand or with someone that they're not super close with mm-hmm. um, and trying to like really figure their shit out. Like, what does this mean to them? How are they feeling? Like, is it just to feel the loneliness or is it something more than that? And so like say yes, I feel like is the, that like switching point where it's not just another one night stand, but someone that like they really, they want to be there in the morning. Yes. Um, and I feel that. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that song. And yes, I'm glad that you said the the thing about them feeling like partner songs. Cause I agree. And then, okay. Last thing I'm doing yeah, that yeah. thing I do where you're like, let's rap. And I'm like, fuck you. Um, so <laughs> it's cool. Last thing. Um, cause I, cause I just thought about it and I feel like if I didn't talk about it, I'd be in my car later and be like, shit, I should have brought this up. Rose parade. Uh, and I think maybe he he talked at some he did an interview about about this at some point maybe said something to this effect but like what I think about when I think about Rose Parade is not because there is an actual Rose Parade but that's not what he's talking about he's talking about like a, the broad like the idea the 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 idea of a Rose Parade but the Rose Parade isn't like a parade 
necessarily. Yeah. It's almost like a, it's like a parade of, of people. It's like the parade of life in a way. Now this is just me like, like running off of it. Um, and people, this is a little bit like, uh, uh what having depression and post-traumatic stress can be like, uh, people keep trying to entice you to follow them into the parade mm-hmm. and you, you can you don't know how to get yourself there you're so you're, every part of your body is like is like dragging you your body and your mind are like dragging you in the other direction people want you to come and join the parade as it yeah. were if you were to go and join the parade pretty quickly you'd discover this is everybody's like doing their weird their weird like peacocky thing i think is the term he used in the interview something to that effect yeah and it's weird and it's uncomfortable and and you don't you don't fit there anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily all coming from him. That's just what I think about when I think about Rose Parade. It's yeah. like what that's part of what certainly what my experience has been with uh, uh, depression and post-traumatic stress is that, yeah, it's like you don't really want to. It's like being around people being together can be really, really, really difficult. It's like yeah. you want to go, but you don't want to go at the same time. It's like you're at a, you're in a constant push pull with yourself, mm-hmm. but people are trying to pull you towards other people. And it's like, you, you can't. And if you could, you might not want to be there anyway. Right. Yeah. It's just a weird weirdness. <laughs> That's it. There, um, there it goes. You, that ball just fell right out of my hands. Do you think that this song inspired the uh, toy parade in Paprika? Where do you remember the toy parade? Yes, terrifying. Yes, but like it kind of has the same philosophical idea. Where like it's this idea that people are conforming to uh, this parade, and it's easier for them to just join the parade, and it takes away their their sadness to be a part of it. But like those who resist um are essentially hunted down that by the parade and and even if you're there with them you don't necessarily belong right um and so you still have your human form but the parade is always going to be chasing you yes that's actually a pretty that's terrifying that's a pretty good way to <laughs> that's a pretty good way to put it actually yeah and even if the parade is not actively chasing you if you decide okay i'm gonna jump into this stream with everybody else you don't fit necessarily yeah and it's not your fault that you don't fit but because everybody has an easier time making the active choice to be part of the parade yeah it's it everybody points the finger at you for why you don't fit right and, and yes if it's if if it's a collection of specific issues specific to you then then it's it has to do with you but it's not because of you right right that's a that's a very important distinction, by the way, and I think that distinction gets lost in a lot of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Just because something has to do with you does not make it your fault. Right. Anyhow, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna end on that. Yeah. Wow. We yeah uh, we did a we did a whole bunch. We did a whole bunch. But so but so ultimately, it sounds like you like this album. <laughs> um. Yes, I really did. Uh, I I want to take a, a deeper dive into Elliot Smith's stuff. I'm going. Yeah. I I've already decided I'm going back in, and I'm just because I haven't listened to much of much of it really in about a decade, probably. Yeah. Um. But I know all of these albums so well, and there aren't that many. This was the third, and I think he only did after this was um, EXO and Figure Eight, and mm-hmm. then he died. And then uh, From a Basement on a Hill was finished and released posthumously. And then right. I think New Moon was was like the last release. And it was like a compilation of uh, previously unreleased, unheard material. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can get... And most of his albums are about this length. So it's not like you have to get through, you know, uh, 17 albums worth of two hours of music right. a piece. You know, yeah, you could, he's not Tupac. Right. He's not... Right. He's not Tupac. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah... Um, yeah, it, if you can if you can get past the uh, the 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 sort of jarring wave of sadness that some of this material might evoke in you, yeah, uh, or don't get past it, just sit in it, or sit, let right, it. Like, and also, yeah, right. Why are we all so afraid to feel to feel? Yeah, that was actually the end. I was like, to feel what? Anything? Why are we all so yeah. afraid to feel anything? I mean, isn't that literally what the Rick and Morty episode was talking about? And that like we're all we're all. Uh, running away the fact that we're all gonna die um we we don't want to feel things 
Stop being little uh, tiny Rick, guys. Stop being tiny Rick. But this is it's a whole, and this is a different conversation, maybe for a different day, especially since we're starting to run a little long, I think. Um, we're, we're all so afraid to feel, and we're all so afraid to share our feelings, and it keeps us apart from each other as people. Yeah. And it keeps us from progressing the way I think we could be. Forget should, the way we could be. It keeps us from being there for each other the way I think we could be. Yeah. That's a shame. And I think, I think, you know, like, I don't know, today, today, everybody just make an effort to, to like, even in a teeny, teeny, tiny way, just, just be there for somebody. Say something nice. Say something supportive. Yeah. Just be like, hey, you're doing great. Don't, don't say it in like a, don't say it to placate them. Don't say it if they come to you saying like they, they feel terrible and the world is bleak, whatever. Don't try to like, oh, you're doing fine. You don't have problem. None of it. Don't do that. Yeah. I mean, like just some, just a little positive reinforcement, little, a little positive reinforcement goes a long way. It does. I found. Yeah. Um. So you guys are doing great. Uh, oh yeah, we love you. Yeah, you're amazing. You're the smartest and best and most gifted, and you're gonna no, be super famous. You're really you're good <laughs> at finding great content. Um, which is this. Um, you know what? Something you can improve on though is going to iTunes and Google Play Store, Stitcher, and Podbean, and leaving us delicious comments and giving us sweet reviews uh i think that you guys could stand to do that a little bit more make sure you're subscribed so you can get this in your feed every tuesday um but other than that you're you're great at listening and and really interacting with us on twitter which you can do at missing outcast that's m-i-s-s-i-n-g-o-u-t-c-a-s-t um but like hey Maybe you don't feel like going to that one and just doing our personal ones. I mean, if you wanted to talk to Lex Michael, you could go to at the Lex Michael. Or you could talk to me at Tari J. T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. Yeah. So I think that that is our our feedback for you today. Make sure that you sign your acknowledgement that we've given you this feedback. And you can do so by, again, giving us five stars on iTunes and leaving us a comment. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Great. Thank you. Yeah. See, a little little bit of positive reinforcement goes a long way. Your face lit up. Aw. Yeah. Went the longest way. Thank you for listening, guys. Thanks for uh, taking the time to listen to us talk about Elliot Smith and our feelings. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I like me too. Them. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll see you next Tuesday. But not in the bad way. Not in the... Okay. All right. This is over. Is that the new catchphrase? Yep. That's the new catchphrase. (laughs) Listen out. See you next Tuesday, fuckers. (laughs) Long pause. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, uh, that pause is gone. Don't even... Don't don't even (laughs) Don't tell... Don't show the sausage. I show the sausage every day. Mmm. I have questions.